Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, I'm going to talk to you about centers. And I often get asked lots of questions about centers. So today I wanted to take an opportunity to talk to you specifically about what centers look like in my literacy classroom. Centers in my junior classroom looks a little bit different than primary classrooms. As junior students go throughout the year, they often develop more independent skills and your centers process and how you follow those centers, rotate students through the centers can change depending on your students' ability and skill level and comfortability with their independent learning. Centers also gives you the opportunity to, while your students are engaged in centers activities, it allows the teacher to participate in guided reading, opportunities with groups of students, as well as individualized student conferences. Now, I will say there is no one right way to do centers. There are many factors that go into determining what centers is going to look like in your classroom, and this is going to be completely dependent on what your needs are as a teacher, what your students' needs are, how much control you're willing to give up, and how much flexibility that you are willing to offer for your students and how much they can use and how much they can take advantage of and handle for that matter. While at the beginning of the year, you may be in a more structured groupings with a very structured schedule. So you may have a very fixed schedule for learning and you may have a very structured rotation schedule and very structured centers activities. By the end of the year, this can completely change and you can have a much more flexible and open model. Now, in a previous video on centers, we talked about the, there are six different variations of centers. You can simplify that even more into four main types. And I will link to the previous video in the description to give you a better idea of how different centers can look. Now, once you've decided how your centers are going to look, we can then actually delve into what centers can look like and how the structure and routine can be put in place so that centers can work for your classroom. In a typical day of my literacy block, I will have students participating in centers two times. They will do center A and then they will do center B. They don't do them back to back. There's always a whole group activity that happens in between. The goal of my center's activities is to get students to work on these activities for about 20 minutes at a time. Now, working up to this 20 minutes is another challenge because you need to help your students and train your students to get them to develop the stamina required to sustain focused working for about 20 minutes. This often means that we're not exactly at this sustained and focused working until about mid-October, early November. It does take time in order to get students to get to the point where they can work in a sustained level. Now, does that mean that 100% of your students are going to be working sustained, focused work? Absolutely not. Your goal here is to get the majority of your students to do it because it sets a norm and a culture in your classroom about what it means to work independently. That doesn't always mean that all of the students in your room are going to be 100% focused 100% of the time. 
but it does help you establish what the norm and the expectation is, which allows you to help reinforce those that are struggling or gives you the time to really focus on the ones that actually need your support during that time instead of just managing your whole class all day long. Reality is, is that because we use centers, it does free up the teacher's time to work with small groups and work with individual students on things like guided reading and conferencing. So what are the things that students are doing during these 20 minute sessions, session A and session B? So they have a total of 40 minutes a day broken up throughout your literacy block, but you have center A and center B. Well, there are three main activities that students are going to cycle through every single week. Those are writer's workshop and reader's workshop and spelling and grammar practice. Those are the three main activities, three main centers that students are going to cycle through. In writer's workshop, students are going to choose a piece of writing that they're going to write. They're going to choose that from an open differentiated choice board. So students are going to select what it is that they're going to write about, and then they are going to begin writing. They will brainstorm, organize their ideas, draft, edit, and revise, and then work on editing and revising, but they're not going to take it to publishing right away. Once they are done the editing and revising step with a peer, they're going to then move on and write their next draft. They're building up a writing portfolio so that you can then select from a selection of samples of writing, which one is worthy to be officially revised and edited again and sent to publishing. Another activity we do is reader's workshop. Now in reader's workshop, students are going to be reading a text and then demonstrating their comprehension skills of that text using a variety of means. They're going to be answering questions about what it is they're reading, demonstrating their ideas, sharing their opinions, so on and so forth. Again, this is accessed through a reading response choice board where there's a wide variety of questions that are appropriate to different texts, which allows you to differentiate the text for your students. So while some students in your grade five classroom might be reading a grade five text, other students may be reading a grade three level text and other students may be even reading a grade one level text. But the questions are general and open enough that a student reading at a grade one level can still be able to write their response the same as a student at the grade five level could still write the response. The depth and complexity in their written response is probably going to be different. Success is going to look different for each student in your classroom, but the product and activity that they're going to do is generally going to start in the same spot. Finally, the third activity we focus on is spelling and grammar practice. These are linked to the lessons that are happening in the classroom versus their practicing grammar that they have done throughout the week. They are practicing grammar skills that you have taught them. And they're also practicing and practicing how to spell words. They are commonly misspelling in their own writing. Now, with these three activities, it does not necessarily mean that there's going to be a balance of what it is they do each and every day. Remember, there are two centers a day. So in an entire week, there is 10 opportunities for centers learning. In those 10 opportunities for learning, one of those is going to be a rotation where they will come to see you for guided reading. The other is going to be a time for student teacher conferences. While not every student is going to conference with you each and every week, it does provide an opportunity for them to conference with you 
during the week. That is your conference time. If they are not conferencing when their center comes up for conferencing, if it's not their time to conference, they simply choose a catch-up activity. And a catch-up activity is where they just choose one of the other centers that they could be working on because they have some work that is unfinished that they need to work on. It gives them the flexibility here. Within these centers activities, that leaves you eight remaining centers activities. Four of those are going to be writing. We want our students to be writing every single day. In fact, three of them are going to be just independently writing, and one of them can be focused on editing and revising. This gives students an opportunity to work with their peers and edit and revise their work. The remaining four slots are going to two to reading response activities for your reader's workshop and one to your spelling and grammar. That leaves one remaining spot, which can be dedicated again to catch-up time. I really like to include catch-up time in my center's rotations because inevitably sometimes students need longer with one center than they did with another. Sometimes they need more time for spelling and grammar activities. Sometimes they need more time with writing. Sometimes they need more time with Reader's Workshop. Giving them an opportunity for catch-up once or twice a week will allow them to actually catch up on work and give them some choice in what it is they need to spend that time focused on. Now, during this time, the question is, if your students are working, what is the teacher doing? Well, again, remember there's two centers in a day. I like to make my first center the opportunity for me to meet with guided reading groups. In a five-day week, I like to split my class into four equal groups if I have a class size that makes that possible. If I have four equal groups, then I can meet with one group each and every day of the week and then have one flexible period to perhaps meet with my highest need students twice a week. If my class numbers don't accommodate that, it also doesn't mean that I can't do a more flexible rotation and not include my guided reading inside my center's rotation, but I can remove my guided reading groups out of the center's rotation and allow them to just call them to the table to meet with me as I need to meet with them. So it means that if they were scheduled to be in writer's workshop and I pull them for guided reading, that's totally okay because they have a catch-up time later in the week that they can substitute and swap out the activity they missed because they were with me. This is where we're using a far more flexible model where guided reading is removed out of the rotation cards and replaced with an extra writing time or an extra catch-up time to give them some flexibility to work with me and it allows me to have flexibility that I don't have to meet with every single group every week. In fact, I can use a very more triaged model of guided reading where I meet some groups weekly or bi-weekly and other groups I meet with them less frequently because they don't need to meet with me as often as some other groups. We can approach guided reading in our classrooms like a triage nurse, like the ER at a hospital, because we don't necessarily need to meet with every student at the same time. So if my first center's session while students are working, I'm doing guided reading. My second session is going to be independent student conferencing. This is where students will conference with me. Now you can do this one of two ways. You can set up a time for a group of students to come and sit with you and you will conference with multiple students during that time, like a group conference. They all come and sit with you, do their work. You conference with them one at a time as they're all sitting there. You get through all of the students that are there at the table with you. 
and that is their scheduled time. Regardless of whether they are done their writing or not, you want to check in with them and see where they are, check what they're doing, make sure they're on track, and send them off on their way. This is often a great procedure to do at the beginning of the year because it allows you to monitor far more closely where they are in the process instead of always just seeing them at the end. Later on in the year, what you can start doing is only seeing students when they determine they're ready to conference with you. So whether they need to conference with you twice during their process, you have some students that need to conference with you after they've brainstormed, then after they've written the first half of the story, then after they've written the final story, that you want to conference with them multiple times along their process. Well, you have other students that literally cannot conference with you for a whole month. They finish their piece of writing and they touch base with you once or twice. It will really determine based on student need. In this type of model, you're going to have students schedule a time with you. So they're going to choose the date that they are ready to conference with you. And that's when you conference with them. One of the ways that this works is that it does help reduce your marking workload to only be marking the students you're conferencing with. So you will mark the students writing or have them hand in their writing the day before their conference is scheduled. So you have an opportunity to read their writing, get an idea of what you wanna talk about during your conference and then have that conference with them quickly the next day. Guided reading and independent conferences can be as structured or as flexible as you need them to be. There is no right or wrong way as to how to run these. The only way that is going to be effective is the way that's going to work for you. And since every teacher is different, every teacher has a different approach, a different style, a different method of what's going to work for them. The key is to do what works for you because it's actually going to work. So whether you want to have a very structured rotation schedule where students can only work on the task that they are assigned to work on for that entire section of time that they're working, that's fine. Whether you want to put a to-do list for a week on the board and allow students to structure their own schedule and make their own schedule of when they work on writing, when they work on reading in a way that completely is tailored individually to them and when they want a conference with you, that's okay too. Or if you are somewhere in the middle, it all works. Every center's rotation works. In fact, I can often not give the exact answer for what centers is going to look like to fit every single teacher's individualized needs. There's going to be variation, there's going to be flexibility, and there's going to be your students. These are factors we can't always control for. What works for one teacher is not going to work for the other. In my ideal situation, if I have 10 student work centers in a week at the beginning of the year, I do not have guided reading or independent conferencing scheduled in my rotation centers, but I have two or three catch-up periods. This allows me to pull students and check in with students as needed that is not confined by a schedule. It means I can triage support for the students who need it the most. And students are still in a very structured schedule. They work on the activity that I have assigned during the time that their group is going through that activity. So Monday, if their group cards say they are doing reading and writing, then they're working on reading and writing. However, as my students get more familiar with the system, what inevitably happens is there will be some students that decide and negotiate with me 
that they actually don't need this many periods for reading and this many periods for writing and this many periods for spelling. Or they want to just work on writing, then do reading. And they want to make their own schedule. And as this happens, I allow it. So I allow students to opt out of my rotation schedule and follow their own schedule. So they will have to bring a schedule presented to me that shows that they have the same number of writing periods, the same number of reading response, but they can do them whenever they want in the week. But they have to present me a schedule and have that be approved. Then we monitor. If the student is successful at following their own schedule, then it remains. However, if it's not working for them, they go back to my schedule. By the end of the year, we often have so many students working on their own schedule that we forget to start rotating the rotation cards because students are just doing their own thing at their own pace on their own schedules. Yes, some students may have a very rigid schedule that they themselves follow that I've helped them determine, but generally by the end of the year, students are determining their own schedule. I start structured and then I allow students to take on ownership of what it is that they're doing. Centers never look the same from beginning of the year to the end of the year. And we adapt and we change and we modify to fit student needs. And sometimes when we seem to fall off the rails and I'm not getting work in, we go back to boot camp. We go back to the highly structured and we move back and forth through this center's continuum of what is going to work. We start structured. We start without a lot of flexibility. And as students develop their competence in independent work and self-advocacy and personal responsibility, we allow them the, the flexibility to take on that ownership of their schedule, to take on responsibility of making sure work gets done by the end of the week. We allow them to try that out. And I'm totally comfortable with that. If I'm completely honest with you in my classroom, I much prefer the to-do list model. Here's your activities for the week. They're due Friday. What's going to work for you? That's what I love about centers is that there is the flexibility, that it doesn't have to be so rigid and so structured. But I don't generally start off at that point. We start off structured, we get used to the routine, and then I release some of the control and allow students to take on more ownership and responsibility for their own learning. That's how Centers works for me in my classroom, but it doesn't mean it's going to work like that in your classroom. You as the teacher need to find what you are most comfortable with, what your students are able to do, and work within the constraints that you are given. And remind yourself that there is no one right way to do centers. Centers in a junior classroom are on a continuum. Whether you have centers cards, what rotation, what orientation, what activities you're doing your centers cards, there are multiple ways you can organize the structure, organize your centers cards, organize how you rotate through them. All of those are variable flexible and changing and will be completely determined by what works for you. I hope that's giving you some insight as to what centers can look like in your classroom and how I run them in mind from what activities we do and what I'm doing when students are doing their centers 
and how we make it all work and what that looks like in the classroom. Thanks so much for joining me and stay tuned for another episode next week on Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.